0: Buddy, my name's is Andres I'm waiting for my buddy Jimmy Rizika. Uh, here, are, at the I'm, I'm here. I'm James Rizika. Uh, welcome to the popcorn counter here at. More the, butter. The, the more two, butter. Two, more salt is what you mean. Um, we're going to ruin our blood pressure either way. Here at the popcorn counter at the Two Real Cinema Club, um, so many ideas come up when we record the pod. Um, is that is that acceptable to call it a pod? Is that yeah, yeah, us, yeah. Is oh, that voguish? Is that, I don't know. We do that podcast, makes us legit. Pod. It's like, like young people. Uh, so, so many ideas come up when we record the pod that usually there isn't like, you know, I can't cover them all. So we go to the popcorn counter and um, yeah, have a bit of a chat about some of the ideas that come up um, while, uh, while we wait for the popcorn to get ready. I, t- I tell you what, uh, having spoken last episode about, uh, about being John Malkovich, being... Nick Cage yeah uh, did make us think of, of it's like a thing in movies of actors playing themselves um which uh and kind of uh, happens now that now that we started thinking about it, it actually happens more than i kind of remembered um mm. i made i made a little list here of, of um actors uh, playing themselves um so i i could feel like they kind of come in different categories. So so people turn up as cameos of themselves. So yeah. like, um, like Neil Patrick Harris playing himself in Harold and Kumar or Megan Fox in the great dictator where she turns up just being Megan Fox, um, like for one night um, with Sasha Baron Cohen or Bill Murray, even in zombie land where he's kind of, we where he's, he's Bill Murray, but pretending to be a zombie so that he can continue living his kind of slightly grumpy life. Mm. Um, but then there's another kind of, 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 um, Cameo where actors play themselves but not with the same name, they play themselves by another name. Nicholas Cage, um, in, uh, in um, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, he plays like Nick N I C K Cage, doesn't he? I think they deliberately change his name a tiny amount as if oh. it's for tax reasons. I think, oh. um, or like Schwarzenegger in Last Action Hero, yes, just like, um, like plays himself. But yeah, but he's it's, you know it's kind of he's playing like you know his screen persona self by a different name, um, or like any movie that Dwayne Johnson is in where he's basically he mm-hmm. plays the Rock in like every movie, um, you know. But he you know, he has a different name, but basically it's him again, isn't it? Yeah, and and Nick Cage in well we just watched that and
1: talked about that film. Um, he sort of plays two two versions of himself. Oh, right? yes, yeah. He plays almost the the caricature that was made of him in films like Wild at Heart. Um, and adaptation where he's playing uh, the brothers Kaufman, yes. I guess, um, and then allegedly his real self um, as the the lead in this film. Um, so that happens too, where where actors and actresses are sort of playing just earlier incarnations of. Uh, themselves or characters that they played and just sort of uh, reviving them. You know, not unlike someone would do if they were in a series
0: of, like, the Bourne films or the Marvel films or sort of playing the same character again and again. Sally who's who is the queen of this, actually? I yeah. only figured out when I started writing them down. is uh, Julia Roberts. Yeah. Who was, like, you know, who was the world's greatest film star in the 1990s, um, you know, absolutely everywhere. And loved playing herself. So Julia Roberts effectively played herself in Notting Hill, albeit with a different name. But she played... You know, the world's most famous actress um, trying to get her head down and stay out of trouble in Notting Hill. In Notting Hill. Yeah, um, that's right. And then uh, she was in in um, The Player, the Robert Altman picture, kind of, you know, playing, playing herself yep. but making a film um, with Bruce Willis uh, because at the time I remember the critics saying that if Robert Altman had just made the film within the film that is mm-hmm. Bruce Willis and Julia Roberts, he would have made an awful lot more money. Yeah. And then... Um, And I remember then she's in Oceans 12 where they have this kind of ludicrous conceit where they have the character played by Julia Roberts. And they decide, oh, clever way to help this heist is if you pretend to be the film star Julia Roberts because you look just like her. Oh, no, I don't. Yes, you do. Yeah. And then so she 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 plays her own lookalike. And then Bruce Willis turns up in this as himself, as Bruce Willis. And Julia Roberts has to phone her herself. So um, Julia Roberts, the character actor, has to phone up Julia Roberts, the real person, yeah. um, in order to prove that she is like the real Julia Roberts. It's <laughs> utterly mad. So Julia Roberts just loved playing herself, did it again and again and again. Yeah. Um, I just thought of the, the I think one of my favorite moments, because for a completely
1: different reason, um, is Sunset Boulevard, because uh-huh. um, Cecil B. DeMille plays himself, Hedda Hopper does, plays herself. Mm. Buster Keaton there's this one card scene where God it's Buster Keaton and they're just these like worn-out old Hollywood faces because like the industry has moved beyond them but they're all still in this one film and this is 1950 I think um and Eric von stroheim was a you know pretty well known director in like the early I think the silence in the earlier films he plays the butler for uh, the the uh, norma Desmond Character, so it's it's interesting because there's nothing like uh, nothing famous, nothing elegant about being their old selves, but they're playing their old selves in that film, which is a completely different take on it. And and that's you know at the time that would have been a lot of talent, uh, you know, on yeah. set and all these people who were considered uh, heroes at one time, um, but not I guess quite the presence as they were by that point.
0: That probably has a lot less impact these days, doesn't it? Because you know. Uh, these faces are not the famous faces that they were at the time i guess Mm. you know it'll be the same i guess you know if future generations watch oceans 12 which i hope they won't because oceans 12 is is a pretty terrible film but Mm. um you know the fun of of of, you know julia roberts playing a character who looks a bit like the film star julia roberts will be largely lost on people who haven't seen all of julia roberts's films sure and then there's we should think about
1: plastic surgery too these yep. people could play themselves much longer than uh, Buster Keaton could play himself. Yeah, well it's funny because he's the man of a thousand vases or, you know, one of those actors who played so many different uh, kinds of roles. And uh, it would be crazy if uh, we see we, you could see Julie Roberts playing Julie Roberts in another 20 or 30 years if she has
0: enough surgery. But so the other thing is people will have electronic surgery now, won't they, though, that um, oh. that, you know, now you can oh, use. Yes. Uh, yes it's like you can deep fake yourself to look 30 years yeah. younger. Oh, wow. Uh, I wonder whether we are about to run out of new film styles that we're just going to continue to recycle the old ones. (laughs) There'll there'll be people playing the underlying bone structure, but the deep fake face that we all watch will just be, it'll be Julia Roberts, you know, from now until forever now. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Oh, goodness. That could be the future. future. It's a little bit like—is um, it a bit like you know um, Bob Dylan selling the rights to his his music? It's like you get towards the end of your career and you think, oh, you know, I'm getting getting into the, the twilight now. I'm going to sell the yeah. rights to my my back catalog now while I can. So maybe yes. Julia Roberts needs to just sell the rights to use her likeness in perpetuity, cash yeah. in now for all At the films point. that she can continue to star in for the next fifty years uh, by having somebody deepfake her face onto a younger actress. Yeah. I do, and then I do wonder who like who profits from the future
1: stuff. Like with Dylan, Dylan still writes songs. As far as I know, so does that mean that his his current songs, his future future songs, are also part of that catalog? And would Julia Roberts' estate just continue to make money? Is they you know you'd start seeing Julia Roberts in every film if she dies, and then her children <laughs> say, "Oh, we want to make money off mommy." we're going to have her do another 15 films this year and we just have to sell her likeness and they can superimpose her face on someone else's body. I bet that's going to be very doable, you know. I bet it really is. Someone will do it as a film. I think someone will probably explore
0: that. Could be Charlie Kaufman we just uh, discovered. <laughs> that's kind of right up his <laughs> his alley. There's this interesting idea that, um, that the Nick Cage film explores a little bit, which is about the idea between uh, what, what is the difference between a movie star and an actor? Mm. Um and uh, I, I'm guessing that most actors like to think of themselves as actors. But I think most yeah. people who queue up at the Odeon and want to buy their tickets want to see movie stars. Yeah. There is like there's a real difference. But, I think, you know, the greatest movie stars you know, largely play themselves, you know, in, in every film. Actually, when you when you see a Sean Connery film, you're not going to to watch him pretend to be somebody else. Oh, I loved it when Sean Connery portrayed this guy or that guy. No, he's going to go and spend two hours with Sean Connery. Yeah, um, you know, and this is you know largely how Julia Roberts made her career, wasn't it? this actually that you know, the, the films that were hits for her were the ones where she was, you know, that smiley woman with the big hair and the teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, famously, she was in Mary Riley, wasn't she? Where she was it was a kind of a gothic horror film and she was a much more dour character who didn't smile mm-hmm. and the film didn't make money because people don't oh. want to spend time with that Julia Roberts they want to spend time with the you know with the the hair and the smile yeah and so you know, I think cleverly she realized that you know that's what people that's what people want so that's what I should give them yeah uh, well and then, then that just lead, leads me perfectly to the, the that intersection that I want to talk about
1: where actors are are generally you know hired on or thought of for what presents they bring might not be that they're the best actor but are they bringing that person again and again and i think so many actors that's what they do they just bring julia roberts brings julia roberts time and time again i think you know she's sort of in her career tried to do a lot of different things but i mean i don't think her range is tremendous She's, she's a lovable person that's why she gets all those parts and she does well in movies and she sells movies um and for me, the the biggest example is John Wayne, who I just detested. I would skip over any <laughs> film possible, all well, the little black and white westerns where he's killing Indians. I hated him. Uh, but at film school, I was sort of invited to look at him anew, and I realized the presence. It's not about his acting. It's not about the parts. It's just that he brings that John Wayne presence again and again. So he's not actually. He, I would I would argue that he's playing John Wayne in every film. He is. Uh, yeah. He's yeah. Never absolutely. Not John Wayne. I mean, to the I, point where I, when he you're... does The Quiet Man, it feels like a totally different film. That's not a John Wayne film, you know. Um, so it, it's right on the line of typecasting and becoming a caricature of yourself. But it's just the idea that you bring a certain presence. There are definitely some actors who can just do anything, any part. And I you know I, I really revel in their, their talent. But most actors, I
0: think, are just bringing themselves to most films to begin with. It's yeah, range. I think we hate range, don't yeah. we? I think as, as a movie-going audience, we don't want range. We want the yeah. same same person. Oh man, do you remember Stagecoach? Have you ever seen Stagecoach? Yes. Um, well, we watched it together at school. I love uh, that film. Uh, yeah. Just that that, f- that first moment when John Wayne appears on screen and the camera kind of yeah. like pans yeah. down to his feet and then up to his yeah. face, and you get the full yeah. just the, the sheer <laughs> physical presence of this enormous man. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. The reason we love to watch John Wayne. The reason we're able to forget his abject racism is because um, we revel in the, uh, you know the charisma and the physical presence and the, the 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 ability of the man to transmit his personality through the through the lens of the camera. Yeah, that's what we want. We don't want range. Mimetic no. acting is you know uh, is um, overrated. What we want is, I think this is this is what makes someone a movie star, isn't it? There you are, a proxy friend. To the world, or, or you go. proxy girlfriend, proxy lover, but you are yep. like the, the, the you're a you know, proxy friend um, through the screen. I yep. think you know, and that's who we want to spend time with, rather than necessarily somebody who's different in every film. You go yeah. to see a Bogart the- film, and you know you, you you want to see Humphrey Bogart be Humphrey Bogart, and that's what you paid your money for. Yeah, and you're comfortable when you're doing it. That's the other thing is, it just the
1: audience is immediately comfortable. You know what you're going to get. So yeah. that when actors do take things that are way outside their range, you're, you get uncomfortable. I think, yeah, you, you, what you were referring to, like this unpredictability that we feel uncomfortable with, that's not there if you know that the actor is going to bring exactly what
0: that actor brings every time. The problem when you're a writer then is that if if um, if you're, you're generally writing for performers who don't have range. Mm. Uh, you're limiting your um, market for your screenplays yeah. aren't you because <laughs> yes i wrote um i wrote a script with um ben stiller in mind a few years ago which is a kind of like a spy comedy and i yeah. realized after um after writing it that um, the, the producer who kind of bought a put an option on it kind of said, Oh, I was thinking maybe I'll try and show it to, to Dwayne Johnson. I was thinking, oh, it's, it's really not about Dwayne Johnson. And uh, <laughs> it was going to be really hard to t- translate the film into being a spy comedy for him because he's a yeah. you know, very different performer. Um. So yeah, it's a challenge for the writer. For sure. And I think
1: writers generally, I mean, I always sort of envision what actor would, would do it, you know, or what, who would pull off the character the best. And that's, but I'd never get glued to them. I mean, yes, the idea that it's, its I think it's a good tool as a writer uh, to be able to use an actor in mind and, you know, hear that voice as you're writing. It's helped me anyway, yeah. I think, but you don't want to make it yeah too on the nose that it's for this person. Uh, because then I think you do, yeah, you limit your options.
0: Yeah. this real skill, isn't there in writing it for, um, writing it for a particular performer without making it obvious that you're writing it yeah. for a particular performer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. test. But then again, writer. if someone reads it and says, oh my God, that's, I see Ben Stiller in that part, then you know you've done your job, right?
1: <laughs> and also, that it means, you also yeah, sometimes
0: does happen. You, uh, you, it means that uh, you're letting the producer kind of feel clever. Yeah. Which is, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's one of the greatest gifts a screenwriter can give anyone, isn't it? If you make the audience feel clever, then, uh, yeah, that's, that's a win win. Yeah. Okay, I think the popcorn is ready. Not only we is it ready, floating in butter, it's beautiful. <laughs> Perfect. Not enough salt. No, 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 you've done it wrong. <laughs> okay. Well, this has been the popcorn counter. Um, yeah, interesting. I'm going to watch out for other films where actors play themselves. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's worth a whole chapter in a book. I'm going to watch out for that. Okay, good. I've enjoyed this. Get ready. Um, All right, we'll see for a full length episode next time.
1: That's perfect. See you then.